This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, or live chat sessions with your therapist, and it's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Now, as a special offer to Surviving Narcissism listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp.com Surviving Narcissism Podcast. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself. Now that's betterhelp.com slash Surviving Narcissism Podcast. And thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Surviving Narcissism Podcast. I am Michelle, the Program Director, and I would like to start this episode with a quick introduction. For those of you not familiar with Surviving Narcissism, it is a product of many years of work done by Dr. Les Carter. Dr. Carter is a best-selling author and therapist with more than 40 years of experience specializing in anger management and narcissistic personality disorder. This week, Dr. C's topic will be, so... Exactly what is narcissism? Well, first, I want to say thank you for joining me on this inaugural podcast here under our Surviving Narcissism channel. And I hope that this is a place where you can come over and over and learn about this phenomenon that's um, so at the, uh, on the minds of so many people right now. And as the weeks go by, we're going to be building a library here. And so I hope that you'll be able to uh, avail yourself to the, to the resources that we put out here to you. You know, narcissism is a white hot topic right now. And it has been for several years. And as is the, uh, the potential there, it, it can become a word that people use maybe in the uh, not quite in the right kind of perspective. I, I've had so many people who will just say, well, that person over there is just a narcissist. And as I talk with them, I begin realizing, well, what you mean is that someone you don't like. And maybe they have some stubbornness, they have some difficulty, or they're too opinionated, and uh, they may not be the easiest person to get along with, but it's more than just that. Now, if people might ask, well, when you're referring to narcissism, does that mean that's an, an, an immature person or someone who's emotionally dysregulated, or maybe it's a narcissist, that overbearing individual, or uh, they're impossible to get along with, they're dysfunctional, they're, they're contrarian. And we would say yes to all of that. And, you know, when we say is that narcissism, but those are kind of sub uh, characteristics, if you will. Narcissism is uh, something that uh, we can uh, hone in on in a very observable, somewhat predictable kind of way. And so it's going to be important for you to really know what we're talking about when we use that word. Now, I want to kind of give you a little bit of backdrop as to how I uh, came upon my understanding of narcissism and how I've been building over it for on it for a number of years now. Uh, actually, I first began writing about narcissism about uh, 2003, 2004. So it's, it's been a while. But my understanding of it uh, goes way deeper than that. I finished my doctorate in 1980. I was 26 years old. You can do the math and figure out how old I am. 
And uh, uh, once I got into a private practice, I was with a wonderful group of people at the Menard Meyer Clinic uh, way back at that time. Uh, I began to, uh, to conduct anger management workshops. Actually, I had had an early supervisor who had done quite a bit of research on that. And so with his blessing, I took much of his information and then built upon it. And I had six different uh, uh, segments to the anger workshop where we would talk about all sorts of elements that went into the, um, uh, the way that we handle anger. And we would talk about things like uh, distinguishing between suppressing anger, being openly aggressive, being passive aggressive, how to have assertiveness, knowing how to go on to your higher priorities. And, uh, and then we would talk about all sorts of ingredients that are on the inside of a person that might take them in the wrong or the undesirable direction in the way that they manage anger. And it, it was frankly a, a very good way to, uh, to introduce people on how to manage uh, life well. I operate on the assumption that you can tell an, uh, a lot about a person's maturity or lack of in the middle of their conflicts and the emotion that's most associated with conflict is going to be anger. And so that was the premise that I started with. <clears throat> now, as I would talk with individuals at my workshops, we kept going back to certain themes. And, and by the way, many of these same people that were in my workshops would make their way into my uh, counseling office and we would break it down one-on-one. -on -one. But we would have certain themes that would come to the surface like uh, control. Angry people are highly controlling people typically. Or we would talk about their, uh, their hidden messages of invalidation, what I refer to as uh, their covert communication. We would talk about their hidden fears. Uh, they're so invested in trying to appear one way that when you uh, try to break through and say, hey, let's be honest, they can't do that. We would talk about their selfishness and their egotism. And the more we would go into those subcategories that fed into anger, the more it began to dawn on me, we're talking about something much bigger here. We're talking about the pattern of narcissism. Narcissism is a way of life, and it often shows up as anger. Uh, but uh, as we try to understand anger, we need to figure out what's going on inside that person uh, that makes them this way in the first place. And so what I want to do is I want to see if we can break down this whole pattern of anger. And I'm going to show you that there are uh, eight primary ingredients that, uh, excuse me, uh, I, I want to break down this pattern of narcissism. And I want to uh, show you that there are eight uh, primary ingredients that we can identify. And as we do so, then it can give you a real good idea of what we're talking about. Now, when we talk about narcissism, first and foremost, we're referring to a pattern of self-absorption. Now, uh, many of you are aware that the word narcissism comes from the Greek mythology where Narcissus was this hunter and he was in the forest and there was this stuff going on with Echo and I'm not going to get into the whole story, but Narcissus goes or finds a pond and he leans into it because he's going to refresh himself. But as he leans into the pond, he sees his own reflection and he becomes enamored with it so much so that he's unable to move himself away from that. So he remains there staring at himself, his own reflection in the pond and he, uh, he dies and then his remains go there and flowers come up and we have the Narcissus flower. But uh, narcissism is a word that uh, takes off of that story and it's all about a person being completely absorbed with oneself. 
And that's the centerpiece of what we refer to when we talk about people who are uh, narcissistic. These are individuals who, who think, well, there's my way. Mm, that's enough where there are my feelings. Okay, I don't need to worry about yours. And, and they can become so attuned to who they are and what they want and what they crave that they just get blinded to the fact, well, it's a big world out there. And there is much uh, that you need to consider about how other people think and feel and process. And the narcissist is like, no, no, thinking about me, that's enough. And so self-absorption is the lead characteristic that we talk about when we refer to narcissism. Does that sound very familiar? Now, along with that, a second primary ingredient that goes into the making of narcissism is the inability to empathize. That stands to reason that if you're completely caught up in your own thoughts and your own feelings, then when someone else comes along and says, well, I have thoughts and I have feelings or I have perceptions or I have desires and I'd like for you to know about that, the narcissist is like, why would I want to do that? They don't really care about what other people think or feel. And if they uh, notice that you have uh, preferences or interpretations that differ it's like, why would I want to zero in on that? You just need to do things the way I want to do. So we go back to characteristic number one, it's all about me. And so in their self-absorption, they just have little or no desire to say, I want to know you. And I, I wonder how many times have you been with that individual and you've tried so hard to explain yourself and it begins dawning on you this person is not buying it or they just don't care or they have no interest in knowing me. That's part of the narcissistic pattern. Now, adding to that, I mentioned the word control just a few minutes ago. Narcissists are individuals who have a strong need to be in control and specifically in control over you. How many times have you been around a narcissist who uses uh, what I refer to as the imperative language when we say, or a person has imperative thinking. Uh, imperative thinking means that it's very exacting. It's very uh, demanding and directive in the way that they engage with people. And imperative people use terms like you must, you have to, you've got to, you should, you're supposed to, you can't, you'd better. Those are very control-based words. And as you engage with narcissists, they're not at all bashful about letting you know how things ought to be and how you should be. <clears throat> and that's their uh, presumption that they can and should superimpose their thoughts and their feelings upon you. And when you say something to the effect of, well, you say that I have to think this way or I shouldn't have felt that way, but the fact is I do think differently or feel differently. Uh, the control dimension kicks right in. It's like, no, let me explain to you how things ought to be. And so they stay stuck in that imperative pattern of thinking to the extent that there's little wiggle room. Their, their goal is to get you inside their grooves, to get you onto their agenda. You're not really free to be what you are. And as far as they're concerned, you're supposed to read what the agenda says and then do it. And if you don't read the agenda very well, well, then they're going to just remind you over and over of what it says it's supposed to be. Highly controlling and, uh, and superimposing and stubborn in the way that they engage with people. Now, taking it a little bit further, 
you can see that uh, number four, narcissism implies a sense of entitlement. You have to have a pretty haughty mindset or attitude when you think in terms of uh, superimposing yourself and uh, and having this um, uh, this inability to uh, empathize and to control. Narcissists operate on the notion that you exist out there to satisfy me. And they seek what we refer to as narcissistic supply. When we talk about narcissistic supply, what we mean is that uh, there are certain things that they want and they need from you that will just make them feel okay. They want your admiration. They want your uh, subservience. Uh, they want your uh, adoration. They want your deference. And so as you give those kind of ingredients, they feel very entitled to that. It's like, no, I'm, I'm kind of special. And, the, and who I am and how I process things, well, <laughs> it's the gold standard. I'm the gold standard. You just need to give me what I want. And so they operate with this attitude of entitlement. And, and you'll notice that in doing so, uh, whenever they engage with people, even if they do something nice, then they turn around and they more or less imply, well, have you seen what I've done? Have you noticed how nice I am? What are you going to do for me now? You owe me. And so they, they operate with that attitude that says, well, I, I need people to feed my ego because, well, my ego is so wonderful. And of course, at the base of it all, you can see that that's grossly insecure and immature. Of course, you uh, try to point that out to them. It's like, well, uh, they're not going to see it. Now, along with that, we can go to a fifth primary in identifying ingredient of narcissism, and that is they're quite willing to be manipulative and exploitive. Now, actually, when I'm trying to figure out how deep a person is in their narcissism, it's this ingredient that I watch for because, you know, any person out there can have their moments of selfishness or wanting to be in control or stubbornness. I mean, we're all, we're all capable of that. Okay. But when we talk about narcissists, it, it's more than just being controlling or just being, uh, uh, entitled. They'll, they're quite willing to manipulate people if they have to, to get whatever it is they need. Uh, they're willing to tell lies. They're willing to put guilt trips on you. They're willing to put shame on you. They're willing to, uh, to you know, withdraw privileges or they're willing to uh, say ugly things about you behind your back. Anything that they have to do to get you on their team, they're not above that. And then if they see something they find desirable in you and you, you seem not to be all that keen on going along with them, well, they'll try to figure out, well, how can I exploit that? And how can I somehow get you to be what I need you to be? And so they can be charming at times or they can uh, offer promises or rewards. Of course, they're not going to follow through on it in a full-blown kind of way. But ex exploitation, manipulation, trying to figure out how they can maneuver you uh, through whatever schemes they have to so that you'll go along with their way of life, they're not above that. And so it's, it's a very proactive way that they operate to try to make you go along with their superiority, which then leads to a, a, a sixth characteristic of narcissism. And that in fact is the need to be superior. Um, I'm going to just make a real simple comment. And, and I suspect that you would go along with me on this. 
in healthy relationships, we try to treat each other with a sense of equality. I have my feelings and my thoughts. I have my skills and giftedness. I have my flaws, my weaknesses. And then as I get to know you, I find out that you have your version of all those things. And so in healthy relationships, we say, well, why don't we just operate on a level playing field here? Uh, I'm going to share with you the, the fullness of me, and I want you to have the, the freedom to share the fullness of who you are. One equal talking to another equal. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Now, I want you to think about those narcissistic individuals in your life. Do they think that way? And, and not only do they not think that way, they honestly think, no, I'm not, I'm not your equal. You're not my equal. You're beneath me. And as a result, they're very willing to be very critical toward you and constantly point out where you don't measure up. And they are certainly quite willing to let it be known that they have the better ideas and they have the, the superior way of doing things. And many times you'll, you'll think to yourself, I wish you'd quit talking down to me. Do you get the directional element there? The narcissist holds themselves as up and you're in the down position. They need somebody in their mind to be in the down position because it's their way of elevating themselves at your expense. Now, again, I'm going to say that they're not aware of this, but actually their need to be superior lies in direct proportion to their fear of being inferior. They dread anybody knowing some of their failures or their difficulties. They're, they dread being thought of as average, or just the words like adequate or uh, moderate, those are not words they want. They, they, they have to be the highest. And that means that they need designated people to be lower. And that's where you come in. But they have an, a strong need for superiority. <clears throat> and then a seventh characteristic that's uh, part of the narcissistic uh, bent is narcissists are pathologically defensive. Somewhere way back in their early history, and this will be something we'll talk about in another episode, how do they get this way? But somewhere they decided there is no way that I can let people know who I really am. And very early on, they began constructing what we refer to as a false self. They're shame-based people, whether they have been on the receiving end themselves of shame or whether they've witnessed other people who are not desirables as far as they're concerned and the shame that they seem to carry, narcissists have decided, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not about to let anybody know me. Uh, vulnerability scares them and admitting flaws scares them. So if you go to them and say, hey, there's something I'd like to talk with you about. And they immediately sense, wait a minute, are you going to imply that I don't do everything wonderful? They can throw their walls up right away. They don't receive input. And then if you say, well, this happened, and I was kind of thinking that should have happened. Can we talk about where we're going to go with this? They'll, uh, they have all sorts of defensive reactions. They can start justifying themselves. They'll rationalize where they're right and you're wrong, or they'll use what I refer to as boomerang communication. Me, what about you? So they throw the focus right back onto you. And you're over there thinking, I can't get through to this person. And the narcissist is like, you don't need to get through to me. I don't want you to know who I am. And, and I, I'm, I'm not about to admit uh, anything that you want me to admit. That's not what I do. And so they don't trust people. 
They, uh, they're fear-based. Uh, they have almost a sense of paranoia in the way that they engage with folks. You know, why are you doing this to me? Why did you say that? Do you really think the lowly of me, I'm not going to stand for that. And so that becomes part of their ongoing engagement. And then an eighth ingredient is what we refer to as alternate reality. I wonder if there have been times when you're engaging with a narcissistic individual and you've thought, this person doesn't think like I do, and they don't think normally. And they put interpretations on things that are way off base. That, again, let's let's talk about how it, it may be that you're trying to explain something between you and that narcissist, and you're saying, well, this is what I perceived, and this is what I uh, would like to see different. They can look at you and say, where'd you come up with an idea like that? Or I never said that. Or uh, no, you you quoted me out of context. Or uh, And then what they do is basically they make up their facts, if we can use that word, as they go along. It's like what you see as reality, they don't see. They interpret life in ways that suit whatever their narrative of the moment requires. And so if they have to misremember something or if they have to put a spin on something, they're quite willing to do that. And when you say, well, let's just get grounded in the facts, their response is, well, I'm the giver and keeper of facts. And they have so much of an idea of, of how right they are that you just, again, can't get through to them. I'd like for you to be aware of my video courses. One is entitled Ready, Set, Connect. Now, narcissists are quite capable of throwing you off balance. So this course keeps you focused on the skills and the mindset that are necessary for positive connections. And inside the course, uh, we have various modules that and in, inside each module are lessons and each lesson contains a video, uh, written documents, and then questions that go along with it. We'll discuss things like how to have good conflict resolution skills, building empathy, how to be the authentic self that you need to be. If you're interested in enrolling, you can go to our uh, website, survivingnarcissism.tv, click the link for courses. You'll find Ready, Set, Connect there as well as the others. I hope that you would find them to be quite helpful. And now, back to Surviving Narcissism with Dr. Carter. Now, okay, there, there's, there are my eight ingredients there. And as you think about this whole pattern of life, it's like, wow, this is pretty dysfunctional. And yet there are a high percentage of people who operate this way. And, and if you attempt to get them to see the light and do things a little bit differently, it's like, no, I, I won't. I can't. Now, one of the things that we will say that goes along with this whole pattern of narcissism, and this is so important for you to recognize, narcissists don't have insight. Uh, they, uh, they have such a need to play up the, this cover up game and, and stand behind that false self that when you come along and say, well, <laughs> the king has no clothes or the emperor has no clothes. Remember that story that they're not paying attention to you again, going back, their starting point is self-absorption. And it's so frustrating that as you engage with these people that you're not going to be able to talk common sense with them. Now, um, let's, let's address another element here. 
you may hear some people say that only about five or six percent of the population have NPD, narcissistic personality disorder. And if you read textbooks, that's probably what it's going to say. And I, I, there's obviously a truth to that. What we're talking about when we talk about that five or six percent is what I refer to as malignant narcissism. And uh, Eric Fromm, who's one of my heroes back in the uh, the field of psychology, he's uh, been gone for quite some time now, but he, he followed Freud and Jung and some of those guys. Uh, he's the one that, uh, that picked up on the term uh, malignant narcissism. Uh, when we talk about people that are down at that far end, we're talking about uh, narcissists who have a really strong mean streak and they're so deeply entrenched in it that absolutely zero is going to move them off. Some people may not be quite that far gone uh, and we can put it on a spectrum. Uh, we can say that some people it's like, well, they may not be as far down that end, but they may be at, let's say the 80% level, if we can use that kind of uh, thinking. That's, that's not academic, but that's the way I, I like to depict it. It helps me understand. In other words, the narcissism is still quite strong and pretty persistent, and it doesn't take much at all to trigger it. Some people, maybe they're at the 65% level. From time to time, they have their moments of clarity and ease and all, but still, um, more often than not, they continue to go right back into those eight ingredients that I mentioned. Some people might be at the 50% level. And, uh, and, and this is where it's still more of a majority than it is a minority way of them to react. They have moments where they seem to be okay, but then uh, it doesn't take much. They still go over into uh, that self-absorbed style. And then we, uh, we can go much uh, lower on that scale. And we can say there are some people that yeah, maybe they can have a little bit of a propensity, but they're down at the 30% level or the 20% level. Uh, they, they have their moments where they're a little selfish or stubborn or controlling, but they can contain it pretty quickly. Now, uh, and again, this is just my Les Carter thinking. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be below the 20% level or, or maybe the 15% level. None of us is so perfect or so ideal that we don't have any of these kinds of qualities that are on the spectrum of narcissism. But there are some people who have enough self-awareness that when they slip into some of that selfishness or controlling or uh, stubborn kind of mindset, they can catch themselves pretty quickly. It's like, oh, wait a minute. That wasn't right. And they're open to feedback and they're open to growth and, uh, and maturation. Maturation doesn't mean you get everything 100% right, but you're on a, a path towards your good ideals. And so some people can keep it all the way down to that lower end of the spectrum where it's not that prominent and they're quite workable. Now, uh, unfortunately, um, what I say is maybe about 20% of the population are what I would consider to be insightful. That's a pretty low percentage. And I'm not saying that 80% of the population is totally narcissistic. What I am saying is there are a lot of people out there that just don't think about this very much. They don't have a, a real strong need to grow and learn. And so they, they just kind of go along to get along or they just live their lives without a whole lot of, of self-reflection or analytical thinking. And those are the people that are going to be most inclined towards sliding down the, the, the spectrum. And uh, a, a good number of people that you're going to engage with are going to have that 50% level and beyond. And so the numbers out there are pretty strong. Uh, 
So that can give you an idea of what we're looking at at the population. And again, um, I, actually, I do have some research that kind of backs up some of what I'm saying, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, but, uh, but basically, there are plenty of people out there that have an ongoing bent toward narcissism. There's a smaller percentage of people who say, hey, wait a minute. I want to learn about this and I want to be a, a kind of person that says I'm onto it. I know what it is and, uh, and I, I can do better. We can do better. So there you have it. Uh, this is a, a good idea of what we're talking about when we use that term narcissism. And I hope it's not just a club that you use to beat people over the head with, but I hope that as we use the word narcissism, it can be a term that says that it's, it's kind of like speaking in shorthand. There's a pattern here that's in front of me that I need to be aware of so that I can stay out of the clutches of whoever it is out there that might be plying their characteristics in my direction. And also you want to be aware of the pattern so that you can see what might be on the inside of yourself uh, that would be uh, inclined toward that, but you can do a whole lot better. So that's, that's the gist of what we're talking about when we say, what is narcissism? Now, as we go along with our podcast, we're going to be talking about many, many other features that uh, can um, be a, a part of the pattern. And there are so many nuances and there are so many uh, uh, inclinations that narcissists might have that you're going to need to be aware of. And then uh, all along, I'm going to try to encourage you to say some of us, and I refer to us as being team healthy, we need to say, okay, I see it. I know it. I understand it for what it is. And I, I want to go a different path. And I'm hoping you're going to join me in that. So that's the aim that we have. We're not just trying to come up with uh, a reason to condemn and clobber other individuals that we don't like, but we're trying to understand human nature uh, in such a way where uh, there are going to be a good number of us that'll say, uh, sign me up for team healthy. And, and by the way, you uh, uh, Dr. C, D-R-C, uh, the way I say it is it stands for uh, dignity, respect, and civility. So as you uh, engage with me here on our channel, you're going to know that that's what we're going to be anchored in, and I hope you join me in that effort. So thanks for, uh, for being here on this, like I say, on this very first version or podcast underneath uh, Surviving Narcissism. I'm going to have lots more coming your way as the weeks come by, and uh, stay with us. And we're going to, uh, to be a group of people that are difference makers in the right direction. I wish for you steadiness. I indeed wish for you dignity, respect, and civility, because I want you to be a person of peace. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Surviving Narcissism. We are glad to have you on Team Healthy.